passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Daddy's got to go to work. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir, may I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock advice. Shut your mouth. What you want. What you want. How about what the rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the jabroni beating, pie eating, trail blazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done, you're out of your class, no sleep till Brooklyn, the rock whoops your ass. What's going on, brothers and sisters? Coming to you from Theater D, Row J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather Nate Milton, and this is the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, your favorite pop culture and pro wrestling podcast dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing this week, 2010's Tooth Fairy. Late in the third period, the Ice Wolves are down 4-3 to three to the Arrows. Look, look at Thompson, Jim. Here comes the Tooth Fairy. Thompson jumps back into the play as Donnelly weaves around Crosley. Now Thompson takes a pass right on a stick. Thompson looks to pass. He fakes the pass. He's got the top shelf wide open. He shoots. All right, that was an excellent clip for what I, I assume will be an excellent film, but, but I have no doubts this will be an excellent review because, you know, I, I don't like to timestamp these shows. I like them to be evergreen, but this is a big show, people. This is the final Rocky Maivia picture show of the decade. And, and, and what a long storied history it's been. And so I figured I needed some big guests for this big show. And since every Cisco needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twan, I have two guests to help me talk about this film. My first guest is somebody who should be no stranger to the Rocky Maivia Picture Show audience because he is one of the proprietors of post wrestling. 
He is a friend of the program. Ladies and gentlemen, John Pollock is here. Brother Pollock, how are you doing, man? We, we finally made it to the Tooth Fairy. You know, we we put this dream underneath a pillow, and tonight we cash in on mm. this review, Nate. So I, I'm very excited to be here and uh, looking forward to chatting with you and our, our special guest as well. Yes, and let me bring in our special guest because, again, this is a big show. And also, I, I, I want to be real with the listeners. I want to be honest with the listeners. There are a lot of things that I know about in the world of sports. One of them is not hockey. So I figured who better to talk about this wonderful film than, than, than two wonderful Canadians. And my second guest, of course, is uh, going to bring not only insight on our man DJ, but he's going to make sure that the film plays by the rules, but he's going to send it to the penalty box. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is a former WWE official. He's the author of The Three Count, and he's an analyst on Aftermath, which can be found on Sportsnet 360 up in Canada. My first time talking to this brother, Jimmy Corderas. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I mean, man, a lot of pressure on me now. All of a sudden, I feel I have to deliver. For anybody that, that does not follow Jimmy Corderas on Twitter, Jimmy is one of my favorite people like in, in wrestling Twitter to follow because Jimmy has the, the, the same type of attitude I feel Dave Meltzer has. Like, they wake up and they have time. Like, I don't have time to suffer fools. But Jimmy Corderas has time to not only suffer fools, but to school fools as well. And it's very entertaining. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Well, it depends, too. It, it depends on the context. If uh, somebody comes at me a little snarky, and I can have a little fun with that. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I, I know I get a lot of flack for being a little overly critical for AEW, but contrary to popular opinion, I want them to succeed. So what I see as things that could help, I point out. You know, that's just it. So no one's, uh, I, we're not here on video, but no one's wearing a mask is what I can assume. There's no creepers on this uh, call. <laughs> not that I can see any, but there is a, a website that you can go to if you want to wear a mask. Mm. Anyway, never mind. That's a different I mean, I mean, to be fair, I have to give AEW credit for, you know, their marketing to all audiences. And, and I'm sure there's an audience out there who enjoys wrestling with gimp masks. So that's. You know, there's a uh, top for every pot. I, I, I hold my breath for the day 15 years from now that there's someone that's breaking in, becoming an independent sensation, and they say that my jumping on point was the, the Creepers. And that was that opened my <laughs> eyes to this world of professional wrestling, and they were the on-ramp for my professional wrestling career. Mm. Well, let's let's talk about you talking about a jumping on point, John Pollock. Normally, at this point in the show, I ask my guests what their relationship was watching the rock as a wrestler but you know between the two of you i'm sure like we know jimmy working professionally with the rock and also john being a long time uh viewer of the sport of professional wrestling i feel we, we can kind of skip that question and get to the one i feel is more interesting and that is your relationship with the rock as an actor and we'll start with you jimmy having worked with dwayne johnson like did you see that he had not only the chops to become a good actor but the biggest star in Hollywood, which he is now. It, it's funny because you you saw that potential in him to be a, a, a great actor because he put so much of himself into everything he did, whether it was going out for a match, whether it was cutting a promo. He just gave everything 100%. And trans, you know, transforming into that world of acting, you knew he was going to give it his all. And you know he he's one of these guys that um, you know doesn't think he knows everything. He's always learning. He's always absorbing. He's a sponge. 
And you you saw the potential there. It's again, you always wonder, uh, is he going to realize it? And I thought he would be successful, but you know, I'm being honest here. I didn't think he would become the biggest movie star in the world right now. And you know, hats off to him. Yeah, and, and no signs of slowing down. <laughs> I think at the time this releases, Jumanji Two is in theaters and and it is kicking all kinds of butt at the box office. So yeah, this this train is is not uh, stopping anytime soon. John Pollock, uh, you had the chance to interview The Rock during press for the Tooth Fairy, even at that time, like knowing he was a megastar in the world of pro wrestling, making his transition. Now he's got a few movies under his belt. What did you see from him then? And did you think that, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we'd be talking about this dude as, you know, box office gold? Yeah, I, I would say this is maybe the more interesting time period of his acting career because the initial you know, projects that he was attached to, it was very much playing off of that rock character when he transitioned to become the Scorpion King. And that was all the talk of this guy being the heir apparent to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now we're starting to see kind of Disney dad Dwayne Johnson. That is this period that's really kind of weird to look at 10 years uh, removed from that, where he has become what he is now. So I would say I, I always was pretty high on this guy having like a solid, uh, ability to as as a box office star probably not to the the heights that he would eventually reach but this period he's doing a lot of weird projects this is probably the furthest removed he is from pro wrestling because at 2010 this is you know he is a distant yeah, I wouldn't say distant memory from wrestling fans but there isn't any kind of the attachment that we would see when he would come back the following year and you'd, he'd get into the Fast franchise, and I think understood maintaining that that kind of relationship with the wrestling audience. So, yeah, for for this period, uh, yeah, we can go into it. But I got to go down to L.A. for a press junket to interview Dwayne Johnson, and it was just a, it, it was quite the eye-opening experience of just what uh, the the I'm flowing down there. I, I'm put in a hotel, uh, and I'm on in Malibu. And this is the day prior. They take you to a screening for the movie and in preparation for doing your interview the next day where you are given for all of this, for this travel, this hotel, the movie screening, you have four minutes with Dwayne Johnson. And I was just like, this is like the most bizarre thing in the world. And I went in, I sat, I stretched it to six minutes. I got two wrap-up signs. It's like, I really do not care. I'm never going to be back for one of these things. So I'm going <laughs> to shoot my shot here and get as much content as I can. And that was it. And then they told me, uh, your plane is supposed to leave in 90 minutes. We think that's too, that's cutting it too close. We're going to put you up in Malibu for another night. And I was like, part of me was like, I, I'm here by myself. I had no one to be with. So it's like, okay, I'll stay here for another night. Just a very bizarre situation. I was like, this is, there is so much money that is being wasted here that, I mean, this easily could have been done by phone, but I'm not complaining. Mm. And that is, that is a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, I think you mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so let's, let's go ahead and jump into the time warp. And for anybody that hasn't listened to the program, the time warp is where we take a look back at what was going on in pop culture when this film debuted. And normally we, we talk about the music charts and we will get into that in a second, but this, this film, The Tooth Fairy, came out in January of 2010. And it's 
it's taken a long and winding road for this movie to come to the screen because, fellas, in 1993, the script was actually written as a vehicle for Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is not surprising. This this seems to perfectly follow up on uh, Junior and Jingle All the Way, a, yes. a project that Arnold would look at and say, this is incredible material. Yeah, apparently, like, they were going to change it. He wasn't going to be a hockey player, but he was going to be a drill instructor, and Arnold's father was the original Tooth Fairy, and he died. And so the drill instructor now has to become the Tooth Fairy, and hijinks ensue. Jimmy Corderas, like, how can that not be? Uh, a box office hit right there. I almost w wish that it would have been uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger the way it turned out with The Rock. I would have loved to have seen Arnold on skates. Yeah, it was, it was shocking enough to see DJ doing the hockey bit, but uh, Arnold? Mm. Maybe we'd get the tagline, Nate. I'll be plaque. <laughs> I'll be plaque. <laughs> I, <laughs> sir, I, I will grant you that one, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, for those wondering what Arnold turned down or what Arnold did instead of the Tooth Fairy, it ended up being the brilliant hit from 1993, Last Action Hero. So, Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That was actually a Schwarzenegger movie I never saw during that era as I watched most of his movies, but I never got around to Last Action Hero. But that it seems to have a bit of a, a cult following. Yeah, I, I remember mm -hmm. hating it in 93, but, like, going back and watching it within the last couple of years, it's not as bad as I remember. Like, it's actually, for late-era Schwarzenegger, it's pretty decent. So that script gets, like, what, just shelved for this whole time? Yeah, because uh, apparently, like, they're like, uh, we, we don't know what to do with it. This was written specifically for Arnold. We don't have another Arnold. And lo and behold, the man that Arnold passed the torch to in that scene in the rundown comes around and Dwayne Johnson is the right man for the job. I find that interesting, but I, I'm curious, and I'm wondering if you could shed some light on this, Nate. It, how did it go from being a drill instructor to a hockey player? How did that How did that transition? How did that change? I didn't find any of that in my notes, but I'm assuming they they figured they wanted to do something athletic with, with Dwayne. And they've already done, by this point, they've already done the game plan, which was his football movie. Right. So I'm thinking they, they don't want to do football twice. He doesn't really look like a baseball player or a basketball player. How can we work in the tooth fairy here somewhere? Hockey. And and, and they, they came to this agreement on uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, hockey. Let's film in Canada, get those good credits. And, and here we are. I would have almost liked to have seen him eventually make it to the Toronto Maple Leafs and help them win the Stanley Cup. But then again, it, then again, yes, we are talking fantasy, right? He could have I mean, been on the Marlies, yeah. There's only there's only but so much belief that could be suspended, Brother Corderas. I got you. I got you. As, as probably the only guy here who was alive the last time these these guys won the Stanley Cup, uh, I wouldn't have minded that in, in the least. Mm. Could have been kind of like Angels in the Outfit, where the Angels finally win the pennant. Yeah, that, that could have been cool for the Maple Leafs. But here's the here's something else that's cool, fellas. Again, Tooth Fairy premiered on January 22nd, 2010 in the United States and Canada. Do you know what the number one song on the Billboard Canadian singles chart was? Oh, God. Oh. Something, by, something by Kesha. Oh. Mm. Any guesses, Jimmy? No. Man, I don't know. I wonder. I, it's not Backstreet Boys. I mean, <laughs> can... 303. 
here's here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a note, dear listeners. Never play guessing games that deal with pop culture or deal with dates and times with John Pollock because it's not fair. It's like playing Watson in, in a game of chess because John Pollock, you were absolutely right. Oh my God! The number the number one single that week in Canada, which was in the midst of I believe a six week run at the top of the charts from the album Animal. It was Kesha oh, with TikTok. God. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes. Trying on all our clothes, clothes. Boys blowing up our phones, phones. Drop top and playing our favorite CD. You know, I, because I do recall as I was on this trip to LA, like for some reason, like that, that song, I remember being very, very big at that time. So that's really my reference point at all. I did, I did not cheat ahead of this one. <laughs> yeah, that song was huge. Like J- Jimmy, I, I know it, like that might not be your, your, your forte in, in terms of music, but even you, I, I don't think you were able to escape the, the Kesha bubble that the world was enveloped in. No, I mean, uh, I, I tend to uh, have a wide range of likes when it comes to music. I'm, I'm across the board. Uh, I, I like a little bit of everything. Uh, and you're right. There, there was no escaping at that time. See, sometimes I need a little refresher to remind myself of these uh, situations. And now that you bring it up, I'm just more impressed with John's memory. Man, John remembers a lot. I feel like I feel like too many rec pumps over here. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's almost like I need one to get my memory jogged again. So. Mm. Yeah, John wow. Pollock is, is is John John's a cheat code when it comes to things like this dates, uh, pop stars of the of the early two thousands. <laughs> it's such valuable. It's such a valuable skill to have. It's just it's it's immeasurable, right? I mean, like that's just what 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 useless information I have stored up, like Kesha <laughs> songs from a decade ago. <laughs> Uh, and finally, here in the Time Warp, fellas, we're going to look at the box office. This film had a budget of $48 million. John Pollock and Jimmy Corderas, can you guess the worldwide gross of the Tooth Fairy? Mm. For, how, how much? It, the budget was 45 budget was 48 48 40. Okay, I'm going I'm to say this one 110? hit. 110? I'll, I'll go 120 Okay, Jimmy goes 110 John goes 120 we may and be the tables, very high. The tables have turned because Jimmy Corderas is closest to the mark. Budget of $48 million. The Tooth Fairy had a worldwide gross of $112 million. Oh. The millions. Millions of dollars. 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 Yeah, and this was the time when he was thought to like he could be this new kind of like Disney dad character, and it was just interesting to watch like where he would go after this, um, kind kind of getting away from this. Like it's a very, very distinct part of his acting career where he's getting really trying to distance himself from the action roles. And then you talk about like we've talked about this before on the show, guys. Like the relationship that Dwayne kind of formed with Disney, and I love that Jimmy said, you know, he's always somebody that's looking to grow, and he doesn't think he knows everything because you go from 
game plan to race to witch mountain now we're doing tooth fairy and these aren't great movies but not only is he becoming a better actor but he's solidifying that relationship with disney that eventually leads to big hits like moana that are like money makers but they're also quality films and i don't think we get to moana unless he kind of puts his time in jimmy and does movies like tooth fairy yeah it, i think it's it there's a good correlation between like you said acting and any other profession where you have to you know pay your dues like you said like in hockey for example like you said you start in the minor leagues you work your way up uh same thing in baseball unless you're um you know like a special talent and he is a special talent don't get me wrong but at the same time, he's coming from a world of professional wrestling where people in Hollywood kind of view, uh, they get it, but they view it kind of sideways, if you know what I mean. It's like, mm. oh, the wrestling guy. You know what I mean? So it, it takes him a little longer to get his footing, and I think he did a masterful job of doing it. No, I, th I think it was very valuable for him because this is the time when he's starting to really establish himself that this is a guy that, that can carry a movie that you can put his name on and it's going to be able to be big at the box office. And he's kind of establishing that cred now that he is not just like this novelty ex-wrestler. He's really shedding that ex-wrestler label that it seemed, uh, you know, him and his team were very adamant of at this time. And he is... He is doing that, and it would lead to other places where the guy would be the one to come in and help save franchises. And mm. he, he's kind of building that that whole box office drawing ability during these periods to carry these films. Yeah, he's getting really close to the time where he kind of breaks out with the fast films and and uh, you know the the team up with Kevin Hart, which has worked really successfully at the box office. But we're not quite there yet. We're we're as Jimmy said, we're still in the minors, and we're here in the minors with Derek Thompson, a.k.a. the Tooth Fairy, and he gets that moniker because he hits opposing players so hard that he knocks out their teeth. And, and the general plot of this movie is this is a one of those gruff guy who's really a nice guy, but he's gruff on the outside, and he's got a girlfriend, and, and the relationship's on the rocks a bit, and he's got to be a father figure to some kid who's not really likable, and there's, there's magic and whimsy and... and uh, Derek steals a dollar from his girlfriend's daughter and that was left for the tooth fairy. And, you know, the, the like, lowest moral moment of the movie. Yes. Like, <laughs> like I get it. I get you're a minor league hockey player and you're not making LA Kings money yet, but you should come on Derek Thompson. Like, like you need that dollar that bad, man. We've seen the guy's place where he lives at. This guy ain't hurt, hurting for a buck. <laughs> His, the miners were playing just fine. This guy could. He, this guy was playing for the Ice Dogs, but he was making L.A. Kings money. Ice Wolves, <laughs> Ice Dogs. I'm thinking of the Mississauga Ice Dogs, Jimmy. Mm. Yeah, it is, right? I'm pretty sure it's the Ice Dogs. And yeah, I think you're right. Man, I've been, I've been so out of the loop when it comes to minor hockey. Uh, I still can't remember what the Leafs. Uh, what are, they used to be the Marlies, but they're not anymore. Are they? The minor league team is still the Marlies, yeah. Still the Marlies, right? I, yeah. thought that, I thought there was a name change there for some reason. I thought they were, you know, going to 2020 it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we're, we're going to get all our minor league hockey fans uh, coming at us potentially. Oh, yeah. Um, I could just, yeah. Just another thing on Twitter that I could. Uh, um... <laughs> yes, your your entire holiday season will be spent arguing yes. with Marley's fans, Jimmy. 
At Jimmy Corderas. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave John and Nate out of this. Uh, this is all on me. Uh, maybe we get a ref and rent out of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Turn in the content. That, that's the spirit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but long story short, like Derek is punished by the Tooth Fairy because they do exist, despite what he said to the little girl. And the Tooth Fairies in this instance are none other than Julie Andrews and Billy Crystal, who I have to say, gentlemen, might be my favorite part of this whole damn movie. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, like, hey, Julie Andrews, I, again, showing my age, I remember her from, like, The Sound of Music and stuff like that. Mm. But Billy Crystal had so many roles, and, and uh, he fit just perfectly. And, and like you said, having, having Dwayne transform into a tooth fairy, having him wear the tutu and stuff like that, <laughs> it just shows you commitment, uh, you know, commit to the bit. And he did 100%. I liked how Billy Crystal was playing a combination of his role from The Princess Bride mixed in with Q from the James Bond mm, films. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I Billy, Billy the Crystal. shrinking paste, the yep, dog bark, the amnesia the, dust. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think the, this movie, and, and as crazy as it might sound, I actually like the actual Department of Tooth Fairy stuff. Better than the Rock and Ashley Judd relationship stuff. Like the dude, there was zero, zero chemistry between yeah. these two as a couple. Like the least, they just felt like it was like we have been cast to be each other's love interest. And I don't know that I just sensed zero chemistry. Uh, I sensed more chemistry with Dwayne Johnson with Julie Andrews than I did with Ashley Judd. <laughs> I mean, she's a one, she's a beautiful woman for her age, so I, I don't blame DJ. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's I mean, there's more I, flirtation I, from from Dwayne with uh with Julie Andrews. I feel by the end of this movie. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree, and he seemed even more friendlier with Billy Crystal than that. Yeah, I think this and is I, the case, Jimmy. Like they just took let's get two beautiful actors who are hot right now and put them together, but it doesn't like you know you could put two talented people in a match together, and that doesn't always mean you're going to get a good match. No, that's absolutely true. Sometimes people just don't click for whatever reason. And, and I agree with you guys. It just didn't click between Ashley and, and DJ. Uh, let's see. So uh, DJ, he, you know, we get the whole bit of he doesn't want to be the tooth fairy. He doesn't believe in tooth fairies. But ultimately, you know, he, he has a heart of gold underneath all that tough skin. And he does the right thing. And he helps the kid, the, the son, the teenage son of Ashley Judd who wants to be a rock star. He helps him become a rock star, I guess. And for all of this, he is rewarded with becoming a member of the Los Angeles Kings. And that's how we end the movie with, with Julie Andrews and Billy Crystal watching a Kings game where Derek uh, has, has finally realized his dream. <sighs> okay, let's start with what you didn't like about this movie, guys. Were there one or two things that stood out like yeah, we all love Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, we all love, you know, Billy Crystal and Julie Andrews and Ashley Judd. But what didn't work for you here, Jimmy? For me, uh, it just didn't, you know, being someone who grew up in hockey, you know, it, one of the things that Hollywood has trouble with is recreating, like, what I would call, for lack of a better term, uh, legit hockey situations. It's It, mm. it just seems, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't translate well if you're, it's like, 
you know, like if you're watching a football movie and it, and uh, you know, the, the, the plays from scrimmage are not exactly like you would see in a football game, you kind of go, man, that's not how hockey works. That's not yeah. how football works. Issues. I mean, like it's, it's a minor little thing, but at the same time, uh, as a hockey fan, you, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, again, relating it to wrestling, uh, watching someone from outside the business have a match and mm. just, you know, not understanding, you know, fully how the wrestling industry works, if you know what I mean. It's something like that's a great point that you bring up, Jimmy, because it's something that I noticed in the game plan, which was Disney's football movie with The Rock. And it doesn't make sense because even I think even back at this time, Disney owned ESPN. And it's like you have access to all these brilliant sports minds. Why don't your sports movies look more like the like the uh, games that they're trying to portray? Yeah, I, I would say just to that point, like, again, going back to my earlier point, like, I almost like forgot that we had the uh, the NHL inclusion at the end of this film. And I just wonder if this was, you know, you're choosing hockey for a reason to make this the backdrop. So once we're making that decision, let's try and somewhat mi mix this in with our with our hockey fans out there. And if you have the ability, like the, if, if I have the ability to use the IP of the LA Kings, for instance, could the story be about a guy who is struggling on a losing LA Kings team. Mm. And instead of being called up, it's they make it to the Stanley cup and you ingratiate it more with the NHL, which let's be honest, the NHL being attached to this probably is like, this is a very wholesome family movie that I'm sure they would love to be a part of that. You kind of like the mighty ducks. That's a perfect example of something that yeah. led to like the, you know, the formation of the name of the team. But it, it just seems to me like it's, it's, Hockey is like a backdrop here, and I think you could have gotten more into bed with the NHL, and I think that would have appealed more to sports fans as well to see this rather than just you know your your family audience that this is geared towards. I think you could have hit everybody with this a bit more on the hockey stuff. I like that because I think Jimmy that would have made Rock's character come across a bit better if he was already at the peak of of his profession but he wasn't, you know, achieving all that he could. And so that there's a reason why he's so gruff and, and distant from people because he's not happy with who he is. Yeah, I, I, I would have much preferred that. And, and again, just make it more, uh, just, again, is, 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 ESPN, term, it... is ESPN really sending reporters to cover the Ice Wolves games and broadcasting? <laughs> You're telling me the Ice Wolves have an ESPN deal in 2010. <laughs> Better be on yeah. the Ocho. Oh, That's an excellent point. Like, Stephen A. Smith ain't showing up for this Ricky Ding hockey game. <laughs> like, oh, Don man. Cherry's not even showing up for this one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Um, yep. Being silent on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, John, did you have anything that particularly stood out to you uh, other than the hockey stuff that you disliked about Tooth Fairy? I mean, let's be honest. This isn't a great movie. It's it's just not. It's it's a very formula format that it is completely star driven, based off of uh, Dwayne Johnson. I I think it, it's uh, the the positive is that this it clocks in at an hour and forty seven minutes. If you watch this at one point two five times the speed on YouTube, you can drill through this in just over an hour. So it's a very easy watch. Uh, I'm a big fan of watching youtube a bit faster than you need to um 
in terms the I guess the positives I th- I thought Stephen Merchant wait, 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 let, let, let's 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 uh, slow down here race car we, we're gonna get to the positives here in a second sir but we we do have to abide oh, I'm by sorry. the sorry I'm, I'm going off script here uh, negatives mean... <laughs> negatives I would say would be uh, chemistry with uh, Carly that was to me uh, a very low point as well I thought the the character that they introduced um, the new kid Mick Donnelly I just didn't feel there was a sufficient payoff to the end of this other than uh, this guy essentially gets drugged by Dwayne Johnson and turns into a barking dog and mm. harassed on on the ice surface. There's really no payoff to this other than the guy gives uh, Derek the nod of approval at the end. And what a random Seth MacFarlane <laughs> cameo we get in this. Yes, yes, Seth MacFarlane was in this as well. But, John, speaking to that that plot point, you you might think it was just dropped. But I'm thinking, again, going to the wrestling world, Jimmy, this is long-term booking because they're setting up Tooth Fairy 2 starring Larry the Cable Guy, which would come out a few years later. Is 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 the kid in that sequel? I could not for the I've, I've never, I, you know, I've never watched that movie, like, I was done with the first Tooth Fairy, and and so you you give me a Tooth Fairy without the one guy that I was here to see the Tooth Fairy for. No, no, thank you. Uh, unbelievable balls to go ahead with the Tooth Fairy franchise, Sam's Dwayne Johnson, and our everybody sit, hold on to your seats. We've got Larry the Cable Guy as the Tooth Fairy. What yeah, a, what could, a disastrous premise for a sequel. But you couldn't even call like you couldn't even call a wrestler like Triple H would have been better in that movie than Larry the Cable Guy. Batista would have been far better than Larry the Cable Guy. You could you could even call somebody like I'm trying to think who would have been Miz. Uh, Miz, yes, Miz would have been great in that movie. It, like Andy, Larry Andy. are Larry the Cable Guy fans cuz they do exist out there. Are Larry the Cable Guy fans saying, "You know what? Friday night he's got a new film out. He's the Tooth Fairy too. Uh here's my money." I don't think this would appeal to Larry the Cable Guy fans. No. <laughs> It's a movie nobody asked for and nobody wanted. Oh. Um, my my dislike about this film again, it's not a great movie, but it I think it it, it achieved what it set out to do. I just didn't feel any connection with the human side of Derek's story. Like I liked all the Tooth Fairy stuff again, like the bureaucracy of the the Tooth Fairies. I found that kind of amusing. Just everything that happened in the quote unquote real world just bored me. And and I was I wasn't interested in it. So oh, those uh, poker scenes, those poker scenes were painful, yeah. dude. Like I didn't feel any relationship between the Rock and his and his teammates, or the Rock and Ashley Judd, or the Rock and those kids. Like the 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 boy got on my nerves, to to be quite honest. So like yeah, the the real world stuff in the Tooth Fairy, I, I was not here for. Dude, hockey is one of the most like conservative when it comes to player like players and the notion of you know keeping stuff in the room that if this kid Mick Donnelly had gone on ESPN and just taken shots at his, the veteran, could you yes. imagine Jimmy, how this, mm-hmm. this guy would have been uh, just ostracized from the locker room to do an interview, taking a shot at Derek Thompson in this. Oh, it would have been incredible. I mean, like, I don't, I don't want to, I, 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 it makes me think back. I wonder if in the NHL has anything similar to wrestlers court. Do they have mm-hmm. hockey? Court? I mean, <laughs> that would be interesting. Other than that is, you know, eliminate all the press from the building and, and duct tape this guy to the goalpost and everybody wind up and shoot. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It, but you're right, John, you just don't, 
who was it? He used to say that you just can't. Howie Meeker up here in Canada used to say that you just can't do that. And you know, throwing a guy under the bus. But no, you're right. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call for it now. I want to I want to try and see if the NHL will institute hockey hockey players court. Mm. That would have been a fun subplot, at least giving us something <laughs> with this hockey team. If we saw the you know them them kind of addressing this disrespect in house, uh, I would have been here for that. I, I guess and what we're all we're... asking is uh, when it comes to potential for this movie, all of us are left with one question, and that is, what if? What if, guys? <laughs> uh, so John Pollock mentioned what he liked about this film. And we're going to get to our likes in just a second. But anybody that's listening to this program knows, sometimes when a movie just kind of wears me down, I need to take a, a minute of, of self-care, a minute of reflection, a minute to get my mind right. And one of the things, I, I know John knows, I don't know if Jimmy Corderas knows, but one of the things in this world that brings me the most joy is that man called Sting. I think Sting is a national treasure and, and should be respected at all costs and, and protected at all costs. And so we're going to take a moment right here, a moment with that man called Sting. We'll be back on the other side with what we liked about the Tooth Fairy. Know that the spades are the swords of a soldier. I know that the clubs are weapons of war. I was sending an SOS to the uh, the hockey gods by the middle of this movie. <laughs> hey, if there's anything that can bring us back, fellas, it is it is that man called Sting. So yes, I'm 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 positive now, John. So let's go to what we liked about this film. And since you were you you obviously have one or two things that you liked about Tooth Fairy. Let the people know what you enjoyed. Okay, the positives. I thought Stephen Merchant was excellent as Rock's sidekick in this, and you have the the backstory of uh, his character Tracy having uh, quote unquote wing envy, and then by the end he is granted his wings at the end. So I thought he was a great addition. Of course, this uh, partnership would continue with uh, in fighting for my family, the page yeah. movie with uh, Johnson and Merchant. So it seems like maybe this was their first kind of project that they ever worked on together as well. Uh, I, I like the attempts at different things. Like uh, as I'm watching this movie, I think that there's some parallels. Like this is almost like a poor man's Mrs. Doubtfire in that here is the, uh, here is Dwayne Johnson kind of in the role of Robin Williams that is trying to pretty much create this relationship with these children as this, uh, essentially, this different character, this being the Tooth Fairy. Uh, now, mm. I said poor man's Mrs. Doubtfire. Let's be uh, clear about, <laughs> about that. But uh, he's, he's so poor, in fact, that he has to steal a, doll, uh, a dollar from his uh, girlfriend's daughter. I would say that, that to me it was just a uh, – Oh, look at this haha moment. I would say that that's a deplorable moment in this entire, if anything, is a, a bigger indictment than the independent uh, underground hockey scene. It's, it's this, that this man has to steal a dollar of his, uh, of his uh, potential stepdaughter's uh, tooth fairy money. Just a, a disgraceful act by Derek Thompson in this film. Um, I, I would say Julie Andrews adds a, a, a lot to this film. Like she is a perfect... Uh, tooth fairy i think as well in, in all of this so you know it, it's an easy watch it's hardly something that i think is going to have a lot of uh going back to rewatch and providing a lot of value for you but i think clearly this is 
seeing Dwayne Johnson in a family film that he's able to carry. He really is pretty much the the star of this whole thing. Mm. Brother Corderas, what what's one or two things that you liked about the Tooth Fairy? I think John nailed it at the end there. The thing that I enjoyed most was the fact that 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 Dwayne was able to carry this film, and that was the big question mark. I mean, obviously, coming from the world of professional wrestling, you know, he was a bigger-than-life personality, and he felt comfortable there. So this this is kind of outside his wheelhouse, so to speak, you know, early in his career. So to see him carry the film the way he did, and, you know, you mentioned Julie Andrews, John, which I thought, I thought she was perfect in that role. And I like the fact that they... They paired him with someone like a Julie Andrews and a Billy Crystal, who are mm. two extremely well-known veterans in the acting world, and kind of attempted to legitimize <laughs> this this story and movie using them. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a great point. Like when you look at this cast, like yeah, including like uh, Ashley Judd, Stephen yeah. Merchant's in this, Billy Crystal, Julie Andrews, Dwayne Johnson, and. And of course, the kid who plays McDonnelly. I mean, what what a star-studded <laughs> cast this is! Yeah, so so at least having some big names there may 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 at least draw some eyes to the to the to the movie. That being said, again, um, not exactly on my must-watch list at Christmas time or anything like that. But again, happy that he was able to carry the movie the way he did and and really set the tone for his career going forward. Yeah, I think that like that's a really good point that you both bring up. And it's something we see with a lot of the early Dwayne Johnson films in that, yeah, he's the star, but we're also going to surround him with veterans. In this movie, you got Julie Andrews, Billy Crystal, and Ashley Judd in the rundown. He's got Sean William Scott and uh, my man, I'm blanking on him. Everybody does a bad impression of him. Christopher Walken. He's got a uh, Christopher Walken in, in that film, you know, and, and so we see, you know, in, even going back to the Scorpion King, he's got Michael Clark Duncan. And so he's he doesn't have to carry the load, even though he's the star and he can kind of rely on these veterans to get him through the project. I think the thing I liked probably the most about this film, gentlemen, is we know what this is. Again, they they had a goal. It wasn't uh, an ambitious goal. And they met that goal. We're going to make a family film tangentially about hockey, <laughs> but not really, uh, as a vehicle for Dwayne Johnson. And we're going to make some money. And they did. Uh, I think while the the script does him no favors, it's hard. Like, it's, it's really hard to suppress his natural charm. And that comes through in this movie even though it's not a great film. I love the scenes with him and Julie Andrews. I think him and Billy Crystal have a good rapport. Uh, Billy Crystal, again, might be my favorite part of the film because I think at this stage of his career in, in 2010, Billy Crystal is like, yeah, I'm not the leading man anymore, so I'm just going to have fun in this supporting role. And, like, yeah, Billy Crystal is just having a lot of fun in this movie, and I like whenever he's on the screen. And I think the biggest thing John mentioned is it's a short watch. It's... It's not like one of those movies where you're watching the clock and you're like, this thing is still going on. We're in, we're out. Derek learns a lesson. He becomes a better man and a better potential stepfather and a better hockey player, I guess, somehow. Uh, and, and it's all wrapped up in a neat little bow. And so while this is not a great piece of cinema, I think it's a decent film for what it tried to do. And again, like you were saying, Jimmy, it's part of the learning process, part of 
the dues paying that Dwayne Johnson is doing at this point in his career. Absolutely. And, and if I may uh, go off topic a little bit here, uh, it seems to me that I've discovered through my years of, uh, you know, performing in LA and Anaheim in that area that believe it or not, there are a lot of Hollywood actors who are pretty much closet wrestling fans. Some are not closet mm. fans. Like you mentioned the late Michael Clark Duncan, who was a, uh, a huge fan he used to come to shows in Anaheim all the time but uh there's a lot of there's a lot of uh actors in Hollywood who pay attention to pro wrestling because I think they they realize that they're not that far removed from each other really. mm. and certainly when you look at somebody like The Rock who just jumped off the screen like it I didn't again like you two were talking about earlier I didn't know he would become the biggest box office uh star in the world but I knew, like, he, like, yeah, the dude just jumps off your TV screen. Why wouldn't he jump off of the big screen as well if given the right material? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that at this time in 2010, we're still looking to see, like, what is Dwayne Johnson going to ascend to as an actor? Where is his ceiling going to be? And what kind of actor is this guy going to grow into? Maybe I, I made the comparison to Mrs. Doubtfire. Maybe even even better one to this kind of film is – uh, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, and you look at, you know, Tim Allen, that's largely, you know, he's he's in the exact same role in that, and that's, I think, you know, where with Dwayne Johnson, it was like, where where is he going? Is he going to be this this Disney dad that can carry these these films to be higher than just, you know, your 120 million uh, uh, box office numbers? Can this guy be larger than that? And he would just not as as this role. It would be interesting if he kind of goes back to any of these roles uh, of like more, uh, you know, we've seen like Moana and films uh, like that. And what, does he do more more family movies getting away from some of the, you know, Hobbs and Shaw and, and those types of movies? Well, I think he's like found a good spot because, you know, if you, if you go back and look, his early films were pretty much just action and they were trying to make him the new Schwarzenegger. And then we get into this period where, He's kind of, like you said, Mr. Disney. He does Witch Mountain and, and Game Plan and, and Tooth Fairy and, and family films. And then shortly thereafter, we get into kind of phase three, what I like to call it, of The Rock's career where he's doing G.I. Joe and Fast and the Furious. And the blockbusters. That, yeah, the blockbusters. And that to me kind of like where we are today in current times with The Rock, we've got a guy who, yes, he's got a certain role that he, he likes to play, or that Hollywood likes to cast him in, but he's not pigeonholed. He's not a strictly action guy. You know, we see right. him do right. with Kevin Hart. We see him do more family-friendly stuff like Moana, but he can also, you know, Jimmy switch gears and go kick ass in Hobbs and Shaw. So, like, I think that Hollywood is finally kind of taking advantage of not only the physical presence of Dwayne Johnson, but also the fact, like, dude's pretty damn charming and charismatic, so he doesn't have to be this stoic warrior every, every movie. And I think a, a big part as well, sorry to cut you off, Jimmy, is that here's a guy that is enormous box office and has been scandal free. And yeah. that's someone that I think is highly, highly valued in this climate. And if I were to go to 2010 and the idea Dwayne Johnson hosting the Oscars, for instance, I'd say that's maybe a bit of a stretch at this point <laughs> to imagine this guy doing that today. I think that's a great get if they could get Dwayne Johnson to – you know, host the Oscars, for instance. So that's, you know, his star has grown, but at the same time, like if you are a movie studio, if you are any kind of uh, sponsor product, anything, 
to be attached to Dwayne Johnson, you are in extremely strong company. No, that that is that is a great point. You brought up the Oscars hosting the Oscars. That would be amazing because it it, it kind of fits in with my. You talk about him being charming and that sort of stuff. He is naturally funny too. If you just mm. you know, like he's he's really uh, when he gets it. I could just, that's why I could see him and Kevin Hart, you know, away from everybody uh, when the cameras aren't rolling. I could just imagine these guys just popping each other big time nonstop. It's just a, a laugh fest with the two because he, he is that funny. And of course, we all know Kevin Hart is funny as well. But uh, yeah, I love that idea of him hosting the Oscars. I think that would be tremendous. And you talk about what a good guy. I, even you look at his business partner, his ex-wife, they're still, mm. do you know what I mean? They're st despite the fact that they're not together as a couple, they're still together in business and they get along well. Yeah. It, it, uh, how many guys can do that? You know what I mean? Usually when there's a separation, it's like, stay as far away from me as possible. Mm -hmm. It's like, such a nice guy. He's like, yeah, I still like having you around. Wow. And I think he's one of the few people, like, in these kind of divided political times, particularly in America, that everybody loves. Republican, Democrat, black, white, young, old, male, female, straight, gay. Everybody likes The Rock. Like, he hasn't managed to piss off any quadrant of society and i think like he's maybe the one of the few people that everybody can look to and say yeah i like that guy and i'll go out and see his movie uh, on the first weekend and, and that's a very difficult um that's a difficult balancing act given you know his level of profile to try and stay apolitical and always just gives a very you know positive message without ever um isolating either party i mean he i think i think you could look at this is a guy that probably bites his tongue on a fairly regular basis and i think you can clearly see what his uh what his beliefs would be just by natural uh observations but he's very careful i think in how he uh presents his uh political ideology and you know he's been thrust into into that uh kind of spotlight at times and you know handles it fairly well mm. So what you're saying, John, is America picked the wrong WWE Hall of Famer <laughs> to be our commander in chief. <laughs> no, of all of all things, uh, Donald Trump's in the Hall of Fame before Dwayne Johnson is. Wow. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, when do you think? Because obviously, Jimmy, like the the timing is always there. Like, you can always do it. When do you think they'll they'll actually pull the trigger and put uh, DJ in the Hall of Fame? Well, if they do it this year, that's not a good idea because then you just uh, overshadowed Drax the Destroyer, which kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, so um, it, the sooner the better. I mean, obviously, long overdue. If he tells them, guys, I'm free on a night in September, they will be moving that Hall of Fame ceremony to <laughs> September. I think that's what it comes down to. It's like the the time that guy is free, they they would do it. And... And when uh, and from his side, when it makes sense to do something with WWE, I don't think he's just going to um, mm. just do it for the sake of doing it. I think it should be uh, there. There's going to be a strategy on on his behalf as well of when to maximize my time in front of that audience, because he's he's very selective of when he's going to do this. Like he did the the SmackDown premiere and he's you know, he's he's very careful with when he when he goes and then stays elusive uh, throughout. So what you're saying is Hobbs and Shaw 2 will coincide with The Rock going into the WWE Hall of Fame. There you go. Okay. You have your your person to induct him right there. 
Actually, since he's got his own production company, maybe maybe an autobiography on the life of Wayne Johnson Ooh. might be in, and then uh, coincide that with a Hall of Fame induction. I like that. I like what you, I like where you're going with that, Jimmy. And it, it, it's funny because, like, I think even though it's it, it might sound crazy to say, being that The Rock is the biggest movie star in Hollywood, I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. Like, I think. He's getting to an age where, yeah, he can still do the action thing. He can still do the comedy thing. But I think, like, he's going to get to the, an age where he's made so much money and he's so Teflon in Hollywood that he can do, like, some deeper introspective things and some some weirder choices, stuff that he tried to do early in his career, but it didn't work, you know, like Southland Tales and things of that nature. I think we might see maybe a more artistic Dwayne Johnson within the next five, ten years in terms of the, the movie roles he chooses. That would be interesting uh, because uh, there's so many, so many topics that he could touch on. And I think, like you said, he, he will get to a point where he's Teflon. Maybe he could start a movie called Impeached. I don't know. Something like <laughs> uh, Dwayne Johnson is Donald J. Trump. And I'm, just, I'm just messing. I, uh, I'm, just, I, I'm just picturing like a bad wig on, on The Rock. And I'll, I'll still go see it first weekend, though. You know what? I, I, I briefly met. Donald Trump when he was uh, WrestleMania and in, when he did the deal with Vince and stuff like that, I still yeah. am not convinced that hair is real. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> well, All right, the, so, the, the House ahead, would man. agree with you, Jimmy, but the Senate would disagree. Ah. <laughs> and Tulsi Gabbard would just show up. Now we're getting too pol- <laughs> now we're getting too political. So let's <laughs> let's get back to the the apoliticalness of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Dwayne's, um, Dwayne's turned off the podcast by now. This yes, a, he's not like like, like Jimmy. Jimmy brought him here. Like this might be the first episode the Rock has ever listened to because Jimmy Corderas is, is is on the is on the marquee and and now the Rock is just shaking his head and turning the show off. Yeah, well, why did I bother? I thought Jimmy. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> he's also oh. right. Write a screenplay now for his uh, his biography that Jimmy just threw out. I hope Jimmy gets writing credit on that. Yeah, see, that's like there are a few things that I that I have come up with in the WWF slash WWE that I could I could pat myself on the back for 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 coming up with, but I don't. You know. <laughs> Like that, that is that, that, that's not how the wrestling business works, Jimmy. Aren't you supposed to take credit for everything, even if it's something you didn't have a part in? Uh, yeah, but apparently it doesn't work for referees. I don't know why. It's, just... <laughs> it's a stripes. Credit. It's off topic, but I got a quick one for you. I I accidentally came up with the name Perfect Place. Really? Uh, we were. It was early in Kurt's career. We were at Maple Leaf Gardens. We're watching a match. I'm watching from the curtain. Remember the gold curtain there at the entranceway? I don't know if John remembers that. But I'm watching that, and I hear Jack Lanza behind me say, "Uh, we got to come up for a name for Perfect's finish. And he used to do that suplex and cradle suplex and hold it. So I don't know why. I just turned around. You mean that Perfect Plex over there? Because he just hit his right? And he went... Oh, and as soon as Kurt came back from the, from through the curtain, he pointed at me. He said, "We're calling it the Perfect Plex," and that was it. And it's such a beautiful name, Jimmy Corderas. Like, yeah, Perfect Plex. I can't imagine that being called something else. So, yes, the Hennig Plex. 
that did not have the yeah. same ring to it. No, not the same ring to it. <laughs> I don't know. It just popped out. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was consciously, oh, look, I got to come up with a name for this thing. It just, it was just one of those things where I just blurted it out and it, and it stuck. See, like, John, Perfect Plex, that's a five out of five name. But speaking of ratings, let's talk about the Tooth Fairy. And here's, here's one small quibble I have. This movie is not called The Tooth Fairy. It's called Tooth Fairy. And grammatically, that irks me. I don't know why. Mm. It's just mm. Tooth Fairy, not The Tooth Fairy. And I'm like, I, I, okay, I, I don't know what uh, Michael Limbeck, the director, we're trying to pull here. But, uh, you know, sometimes you can get a little too cute. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. it, it happens when you, when you appear too much on one day at a time. So, um, it's not the one day at a time. It's just one day at a time. All right. So I am pulling up the post wrestling forum because this is this is not a, a a monarchy here, Jimmy Corderas. This is a democracy. This is a actually it's not even a democracy. It's a it's a benevolent dictatorship. Because I, I, <laughs> I like to, I like to hear the people's voice. And so before the three of us give our thoughts on this film. Let's check out what a post-wrestling forum had to say about the Tooth Fairy. Again, on the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show, we have a patented five-point rating scale. Uh, it starts at the top. Jimmy, if a movie is great, if it's perfect, if it's the perfect plex of movies, that's a five out of five. We just went one-on-one -on -one with the great one. If a movie is really good, it's near perfect, but there's one or two things that keep it from being great, that's a four out of five. That's the people's champ. If a movie is just okay, but it's not blow away great, it's not blow away bad, that's a three out of five. That's a know your role. Now, if a movie is really bad, but The Rock is good in it, or if the movie is good, but The Rock isn't the best in it, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. And if a movie is terrible, if it's, if it's an abomination, if it's unwatchable, if it's doom, that is a one out of five. That, my friends, is a jabroni, uh, excuse me, a rock bottom. And so let's see what the post-wrestling forum had to say about this film. Oh, wow, interesting. We have a tie. 50% of the postmarks gave this movie a 2 out of 5, a jabroni joint. And 50% of the postmarks gave this a 3 out of 5, a know-your-role. So it, it's kind of somewhere in the middle for the post-wrestling community. Uh, so let's let's go to Jimmy Corderas first. Jimmy, we've talked about what we liked about this movie, what we disliked about this movie. So on that scale of one to five, where would you kind of put uh, The Tooth Fairy in your rankings? It's funny that you mentioned that it was a 50-50 split between a two and a three because in my mind while you were just about to explain it, I was thinking it's kind of like in between a two and a three, you know, because... You know, I, I enjoyed the rock in the movie and I enjoyed, like I said, his commitment to the role and his mm. his profession and, and, and really, you know, shining in that movie. But at the same time, he wasn't quite there yet. It, again, it, it was a learning curve for him almost, to yeah. speak. So I don't want to give it a two, but I also don't want to give it a three. So I'm kind of in between. Uh, so I'm going to know my role and shut my mouth. 
<laughs> I like Jim. Jimmy just, you know, that, that's why we bring officials on this program because Jimmy can make a, a, an official decision in the moment. And, and he's created a new ranking, a 2.5, and know your role and shut your mouth. I like it. Uh, John Pollock, on this scale of, of uh, 1 to 5, what would you give the Tooth Fairy? I know this is a movie that you wanted to be on the review for since we, we first launched the idea of the Rocky Mavia Picture Show. So don't let your affinity for this film or, or the, the cushy hotel you stayed at in Malibu sway your, your decision here, sir. I want, I want a, an honest, objective rating here. What would you give the Tooth Fairy? All right. Well, I... I would be more glass half empty than Jimmy. So I, I would lean on this being a jabroni joint at uh, two out of five. However, I, I feel like I I should give a, a bonus point in there because my final question to Dwayne Johnson during this interview was comparing what a review from Roger Ebert would be compared to a wrestling review from Dave Meltzer. And <laughs> he found that to be an exclusive an incredibly entertaining question uh, from me. So I, I feel like that, that, that left me with a more uh, uh, positive feeling on, on this movie, but not enough to get out of two out of five land for the movie. <laughs> so John gives it two out of five, a jabroni joint. I think we're all speaking the same language here. And, and so Jimmy gave it the, the unprecedented rating of a 2.5 and know your role and shut your mouth. John gave it a two out of five, a straight up jabroni joint. And I think, <sighs> Maybe maybe it's the fact that I didn't have to pay individually for this film. I think had I parted with my $4 on YouTube, like I've had to with some of the other rock films, I might... Wait, does that mean you own this movie, Nate? No, that means it was part of Disney Plus, John. Oh, Paul. damn. Because I had to buy <laughs> this thing on YouTube. <laughs> so, shout out to Disney Plus. Not only have they given us all these Marvel movies and Baby Yoda, but they allow us to watch The Tooth Fairy and The Game Plan without paying individually for these rock movies. So that, that might've improved my mood a little bit because again, spending $4 on, on this, this film, I don't know if, if that's what I'm trying to do out here in these, in these holiday seasons. Uh, again, I, this movie's not great, but it, it does what it set out to do. You could say Jimmy Corderas that it knew its role. And as such, I think I'm going to be the positive one here. And then maybe it's the season getting to me, but I'm going to give this a three out of five, a know your role. So we've got a know your role. We've got a know your role and shut your mouth, which I really like. And then we've got a jabroni joint. So basically not great, but there are worse films you could be watching this Christmas season. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. And I'm not going to name names, but wow. Yeah. Um, they've already started. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is go to the W Network and or Hallmark Channel and, and mm. never mind. What, what, what do you mean? There's so many great movies on Lifetime and Hallmark, some featuring former uh, host of Monday Night Raw, I believe, Kathy Lee Gifford. So who wouldn't want to watch that? Uh, maybe, maybe so, but uh, um, in sheer numbers, I think those movies are numbered by the others. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, real quick, since, since we've got a little bit of time, fellas, before we get out of here, uh, John Pollock, I know you're big into the Christmas films. I don't know if you are, Jimmy Corderas, but around the horn really quick. What's your what's your go-to Christmas movie this time of year? Okay, I, I'm definitely a big fan of the first two Home Alones. I think those are definite go-tos. I mentioned the Santa Claus earlier. That one uh, 
I, I, I usually will watch at least the first one uh, most mm. years. Uh, Christmas Vacation, another fun one. Uh, but you really can't go wrong by just uh, flipping on the random Hallmark movies that they put out every year. They're god-awful, but man, are they fun. <laughs> oh, well, what, what about you, Jimmy Corderas? And, and if I don't hear Santa's Little Helper in, in this mix, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, that's one of them. But, you know, I'm a classics guy. I still, there's still something about stuff like Miracle on 34th Street and all those old, really appeal to me. Again, being an old guy. But then again, you know, every once in a while, I just want to get in the mood. And my favorite two Christmas movies that I like to watch are Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Yes, Die Hard 2 is also. Uh, hey, I, I, I'm always here for, for some uh, for some Die Hard. Um, I think for me, I, I like, you know, sort of the classics that, that Jimmy's talking about. Like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I used to hate that movie when I was a kid because they would always show it on NBC. And it's like, why are you taking up valuable TV time to show me this black and white movie? But I think the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Uh, so I, I love It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Friday After Next you know, in, in the Ice Cube cinematic universe is, is another uh -huh. one that always gets me. Um, and then, you know, you can't beat, it, it's not a movie, but it's something I have to watch every year, particularly now that I have nieces. Uh, and that's Charlie Brown Christmas. The cartoon, oh. Animated ones are very underrated. I, mm -hmm. I watch uh, Arthur Christmas with my son. He loves mm. that movie. He's probably watched it 20 times this year. <laughs> Yeah, there's a Grinch, all of that stuff, man. Just like just something you could sit around the 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 table with and watch with the family, and it's 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 uh kind of brings me back to my childhood. So shout out to Charlie Brown. Yeah, and and the Grinch, you brought up the Grinch. How can we forget with Boris Karloff doing the voiceovers and yes. stuff like that, and get that nice you're a mean one, Mister Grinch. You know what I mean? Like, it's classic. And then you guys, the... you guys like the Jim Carrey version? Mm. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I appreciate what they tried to do, but it didn't. It doesn't really hit for me, John Pollock. You realize next year that movie will have been twenty years old. That that Grinch wow. movie, that's crazy. I I remember seeing that in the theater when when it came out. So that would have been in two thousand. Yeah, that's, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that that role is not much of a stretch for Jim Carrey. So never mind. That's a different subject for another day. <laughs> We'll say that for Jimmy's next appearance on the Rocky My Video Picture Show. That's that's what you call a tease, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but before we get out of here, John mentioned the theater. So let me let the listeners know what we've got coming up next time on the Rocky My Video Picture Show. With our first episode of the new decade, our first episode of 2020. We're going to be checking out 2010's Faster. talk to you today about forgiveness the road to revenge is a dead end street put down that 45 that 38 put it down brother forgive them and it will set you free over. All 
right, so that that's a that's a clip of, of the greatness we have ahead. Like we we're starting off uh, twenty twenty hot because we we come in with faster in January and then February. To me, Jimmy is a review I've been waiting on for a while. The Rock's debut in the Fast and Furious universe. We we talk about Fast Five in February, so we're we're not playing around next year on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Oh man, that's a, that sounds cool. I'm, uh, you know what? I may have to go back and watch those now. I mean, that's what this is. You know, this this whole podcast, this whole program is just about making sure people appreciate the greatness of, of America's foremost actor. Not Tom Hanks, not Denzel Washington, not Leo. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's yeah, come so I far mean, from the Scorpion King. Because <laughs> anybody can be Mr. Rogers. I mean, like, yes. Anybody can be Mr. Rogers. Who can be Derek Thompson, though? One man. Dwayne The Rock exactly. Johnson. <laughs> Put on the red sweater and you're good. There you go. So uh, before we get out of here, fellas, uh, Jimmy Corderas, I appreciate you coming on the show this week, man. I, it, it's been something I've been looking forward to for a while. Let the people out there know where they can find you on Twitter and, and follow your, uh, your your wonderful observations about the world of professional wrestling and also promote any other projects you might have out there for the people. Well, uh, I, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been a while, Brother Nate and uh, – yeah, so basically, uh, I do this weekdays uh, ref and rant on all my uh, anti-social media accounts, which is uh, Jimmy Corderas on Twitter, at Jimmy Corderas, or real Jimmy Corderas on Instagram, because apparently someone else took Jimmy Corderas, I don't know who that is, but oh. yeah, so I do that daily um, <laughs> on weekdays, I take the weekends off, uh, Friday nights you can catch me on Aftermath with uh, Nug Nargang, uh, the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corella. Corolla, Corolla. Oh my God, I'm getting his name wrong. I can't. He's gonna kill me. Yeah, Cobra for me. Cobra for me for sure. And uh, and Carol, and we just have a lot of fun breaking down what we saw, you know, in the week in WWE because uh, you know in Sportsnet they air all WWE programming up here, so it's cool. And for those who don't know, we are not a WWE show. We're a Sportsnet show, so we don't get paid by WWE. Just so you guys know, it's kind of like backstage, right? Mm. They get, I, I don't know. Anyways. That being said, and uh, who knows, maybe in the new year, um, a little writing might be in order. I don't Ooh, know. Okay, maybe, okay. So maybe a sequel to the three count? Uh, yeah, we may, we may go to five. We may go to Ooh. five. <laughs> oh, look, I need a four-word by uh, Biggie Langston, then, if you're going to do the five count. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, John Pollock, I mean... We could be here for, for hours if, if you went over all the things here at Post Wrestling. But uh, just let the people know briefly, sir, uh, what what uh, what you've got on tap, what what you're looking forward to in, in the new year, and uh, where they can find all this good stuff. Uh, I'll keep it really short and sweet. Uh, Way and I are putting out our uh, Christmas show this, uh, this Tuesday, Christmas Eve, so you can uh, tune into that at postwrestling.com, which is probably where you found this show. And... <laughs> If you want to uh, support us on uh, the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can go to postwrestlingcafe.com. Lots of bonus shows coming up over the holidays, uh, including uh, shows we'll be doing from Japan because we are going over there for the uh, Wrestle Kingdom events and seeing a bunch of shows over there in Japan. So there will be lots of uh, free and bonus content along with our best of and worst of shows that will be coming out in early January. So best place to go is postwrestling.com. And uh, thanks for having me on, Nate. I appreciated uh, the invite. No, no problem, John. Like, you were one of the few people that stepped up and said they wanted to do the Tooth Fairy. So I felt it was just right that we end not only this year, but we end the decade 
with John Pollock uh, on the Rockin' My View Picture Show. <laughs> uh, folks, you can find me on Twitter in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K. Uh, I'm not nearly as prolific or as uh, interactive as Jimmy Corderas, but occasionally from time to time, I do have some good stuff up on my Twitter. Uh, you can check out the Kings of Sport, which is myself and Marcus Vanderberg from Yahoo Sports. We do have a Patreon, so if you're wondering what to get me for Christmas uh, and you don't know my shoe size or what my favorite color is, uh, why don't you just throw down some of your hard-earned money and, and uh, check out the Patreon, which has, as of this recording, over 70 hours of additional audio and video content for you guys and girls to check out, including the uh, 20 Twin Twin, which is our political show. So if you want to hear about impeachment and stuff like that, you can probably find that on uh, that show as well. Uh, I want to send a shout out to Austin James for designing the logo here at Rockin' My Via Picture Show. Braden Harrington, another member of the post-wrestling family for doing the theme music here uh, for the Rockin' My Via Picture Show. And uh, you know, I want to thank you for listening and for checking out, checking out this program. Want everybody to have a safe and happy holiday season, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever you celebrate. Make sure you have fun and and uh, hold those close to you because who knows how much time we have left. It got really dark at the end. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> man, come on. Like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> it got really dark there at the end. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to stay positive here as we close out the decade. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this week in the theater. Uh, John and, and Jimmy and myself, we're going to, Continue watching the credits so we can make sure we give each person that contributed to the Tooth Fairy their, their proper due. So we'll, we'll be here for a while. Uh, but we'll be back in 2020 for our first episode of the year, Faster. So I, I don't know who the guests will be, but it, it's going to be a good time. So for John Pollock, for Jimmy Corderas, and for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays, folks. And remember, as always, Nubian eyes are watching. We'll see you next time. Brilliant. on out of here. No!